this. Look at, look at, the, look at this guy. Come on now. Hey, the pink? Yeah. I'm going for like modern day Miami Vice type you, of. Uh, you gotta like pull up this. You gotta pull these up. I think. Hey, welcome to church. My name is Vince. I'm one of the pastors here. He is risen. All right, good. You guys kind of get what we're supposed to do when we say that. It's like the only time of the year I actually get you guys to respond is on Easter, and so I'm going to probably say that like a hundred times today. So um, listen, if you're new to the church, delighted to have you here. Welcome. There's one thing I want you to know, and honestly, this is for the whole church because sometimes it seems like y'all forget. Anthony and I, we love a good amen. Like we love, hey, if you think there's something good, toss an amen. Toss a preach it, brother. Let's get some of that going this morning. It's Easter. He is risen. Amen. And y'all are getting good. Okay, so, but hear me, if you disagree with something we say today, just be quiet, okay? We actually, we don't wear anything of that, okay? So, um, listen, I'm here today because the resurrection changed my life. I don't, I don't know if any of you else have that story. The resurrection changed my life. I grew up in Louisiana, uh, Bible Belt, and I, I wasn't a Christian, no Christian family. I moved to California, a lot less Christians there, uh, but somehow in California, God came and got me. And so I'm at San Diego State University my freshman year. There's an older gentleman that starts talking to me about faith and things like that. I had kind of been dabbling, I'd been to some studies, stuff like that. And he asked me, hey, do you want to take this thing seriously? And I said, well, maybe. Why? What are you saying? He says, if you want to take this seriously, spend some time researching the resurrection, because if the resurrection isn't real, this whole thing is just a foolish errand, okay? In fact, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says that our preaching is useless, that the church is powerless, and that this is just a foolish thing for us to do. Let's just go home, worship the Easter bunny, and eat some chocolate. But if he's risen, that changes everything. That changes everything. So for the next six months after this guy told me this, I spent the six months reading every possible book I could find from Christian authors, non-Christian authors, people for it, people against it, all sorts of texts. And I came out six months later in about February of 2013 and said, I'm in. I was sold. Like the evidence for me, for Jesus Christ, who died on a Friday, coming back to life on a Sunday, and spending time in ministry amongst friends and family for 40 days after, it was overwhelming that that was true. And so I had to begin to say, all right, if this guy rose from the dead, this must mean some things. And so then I began to go back through the scriptures and say, well, what else did he say? What did he say about himself? And so that's the important thing. Now, hear me. There's a whole litany of reasons that would bring the rest of you here today. Some of you are here and you're really excited. Some of you got dragged here by family. Some of you got promised a free lunch. And so you're like, I can't turn that down, so I'm here, right? Some of you are here, you're Christians. You love Jesus. And some of you here, uh, either you're not sure or you know you're not. And I want to especially say thank you for coming to that crowd because, let's be honest, this can be a weird situation to come into. I remember, so I got, that, that, that moment was in February, I said, I'm in, and then it was like March, I think early April, right, where Easter came around, it was my first Easter service at this mega church in San Diego, we're talking 15, 20,000 people, and I walk into the room, we were about 10 to 15 minutes late, like most of you this morning, and, uh, and so we get into service, and they're singing this song, and the song is entitled, Thank You for the Blood, and the bridge of that song is, Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. And they sang that bridge four times over to a guy who's never really been in church all that much. And so I walk in, I see thousands of people, arms raised, screaming, we thank you for the blood. And I was like, I'm going to go. 
like it just felt very like like temple of doom. Like this is just super weird. But then I realized something. They were just praising what happened on Friday. What happened on Friday, just a few days prior to what we celebrate today, is God who had come in flesh became a man born of a virgin, raised for 33 years here in this world, lived a perfect, sinless life, the one that you and I seem to want to live most days, but just don't and can't. He lived it perfectly. And then he went to a cross, paid a penalty for sin that we deserve to pay, died on that cross, and was killed and beaten and bruised before his friends and family, and blood poured out from him. And it is said that it is his blood, it is that sacrifice that he gave on the cross willingly that covers over our sins as well. So when they say, we thank you for the blood, they're literally rejoicing. We are literally rejoicing in what happened on Friday. Jesus, you died for us in our place. That is such a gift to us. Amen? Amen. Now, we're here at Sunday and he is risen. See, I told you I'm going to sneak it in there. You got to be ready. See, he came back to life. Now, this is a phenomenal and amazing thing. Now, what I want to talk about today is how often we find ourselves living like it's still Saturday. Because Friday, Friday is a great day. And hear me, we're all ultimately here because Jesus loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I cannot say it enough times that Jesus loves his creation. Like, he loves you. He made you in his image. He loves you. He proved it on Friday. Greater love has not known anything but this, right? That Jesus, that someone, that a man would lay down their life for their friends. Jesus laid down his life for us. Greater love is not possible than that reality. Jesus loves you. He proved it on Friday. And then he rose on Sunday. And hear me, I think a lot of us, we know this in our heads, right? But sometimes I think if we're honest, it feels like it's still Saturday. Like, like, we know, we can kind of mentally ascend a bit to the reality of, okay, well, he died for me, that's great. But, but, man, there's still just pain. Like, the stench of death is still in the room. There's still brokenness in my life. There's still brokenness in our world. Like, you, you look across the country, even this morning, if you don't know it, I don't mean to depress you on Easter, but it's a reality. That in Sri Lanka this morning, there were multiple bombings across that country. 207 people killed in church, in church bombings and bombings at different hotels across that country. 450 plus injured. This is the world we live in, broken, sin-filled, and lost. And I think we can see all that pressure. And then we get, right, we get into us, and we've got our own stuff. We struggle with our own doubts, our own traumas, our own fears, our own depressions. And it feels like it's just still Saturday, and Sundays never come. And I think that's just a felt reality by so many. And even in the first service, I shared the reason why this is not like a traditional Easter service or sermon. Like normally, it's like we're going to get up here and we're just going to joyously tell you all this great stuff. But I'm going to be honest with you guys like I was with the, with the 8 a.m. service. I'm just tired of the pain of our world. Like, in my life right now, and probably in yours, if not it being your story yourself, there's just a lot of pain. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of hurt. And the simple line of, well, resurrection's coming, just doesn't always do it. Why is it that we feel these depths 
of life that feel like Saturday when we know in our heads Sunday has happened, but our hearts seem to at times betray us in the midst of that. And so here's my hope today is that the resurrection would speak to us in such a way that if you're here, hear me, and you're not a Christian, that love, hope, and joy that you thought impossible would be revealed to you today. Why? Because he's risen. Because he's alive. Because there's a king that rules on the throne that is not dead. That you're here and that if you're a Christian and it feels like Saturday in your life right now, like you just resurrect, when's that going to come? Where's hope? Where's joy? That today, that because he's alive, because he loves you, because he's active and he's king and defeated the grave, that you would be restored in hope and joy this morning. And then lastly, if you're here and listen, you're just like, you came in here, you're a Christian, you're just crushing it. Life is just awesome and you're just so stoked. The Bible, God, every time you open it, words pour forth, the Spirit's speaking to you, you're prophesying, it's just amazing. If that's your story, amen. But I pray today you would be continuously reinvigorated by the fact that your King is alive, that He roams and rules and He loves you. And every day you would know that as you walk and follow Him. Now, I'm going to share, uh, we're going to share this video. It's a bit longer. And just to say this, we stripped 15 minutes away from me being able to talk, which you know is just a terrifying reality for myself. So that's how important I think this video is. It's a story of a dear friend of ours at Redemption Gilbert, which is one of our sister churches down in the valley. And then we're going to pick it up at the end, read through a text, and then, uh, and then talk about a couple things. So let's get the lights down if we could, and then we'll show this. Jedmon wrote a song that we are going to, sing and have sung over us here in just um, a minute. But before he does, I want us to hear the story behind this song. So would you guys welcome Jed? My name is Jed Mon. I, I work at Redemption Gilbert and uh, I work with a ministry called 710, so our young adult ministry, and I'm one of the guys who leads worship. My name's Whitney Mon. I'm Jed's wife. I've gone to Redemption for about 10 years, and we have a little girl named Lila. She's about a year and a half old. Basically, story in a nutshell, pastor's kid. Grew up, uh, six years of my life were in Illinois, and then, and then the rest here, and Christian home. You deal with all the, the normal stuff as a, Christian home type of kid, trying to figure out, you know, where your faith is versus, you know, leaning on the faith of your, your family or your parents. Right after his daughter Lila was born, I remember he'd, he said a little something to me in passing about just, just a struggle, spiritual struggle. He didn't clarify that it was an attack uh, by the accuser to question whether the things, the foundational things of faith were true or not. Anytime anyone asks about it, I don't, I don't know how to describe it any other way than I kind of just like woke up one morning and it felt like I was looking at my life through a window and I couldn't get on the other side of it. He started to act different and then slowly it just started to become like more and more of like an everyday occurrence. There was a, a moment where, where my wife kind of pulled me aside and was just like, you are really acting odd, you know? Eventually, he just kind of was like, I'm just really struggling with where I'm at spiritually. I don't know. I don't know why. I just don't feel like I can be happy about anything. 
and it's really hard for me to connect. I have no idea. I feel like I'm praying and nothing is going anywhere. I feel like I'm reading scripture and nothing's making sense and I'm just super discouraged. I just started doubting everything about my faith and it was every day plagued with just uh, questions and lies that were just so like, you know, filling up my, my head. The foundation of everything that had changed my life was just all of a sudden like really loose ground and it was like, <clears throat> do I, do I believe this? Do I believe like in God at all? And at the same, and at the same time that I'm questioning the existence of God, I'm also all of a sudden questioning my position with God. So like in one moment I'm, I'm, I'm questioning like, do I believe in God at all? And then in the next moment after that, like I'm thinking, does God have me? Or am I going to be subject to his wrath? You know what I mean? Like, like do I belong to God? I would literally wake up in like whatever it was that was going to bring my life into utter darkness is what crossed my mind. There's a lot of moments in doing what I do, like being on stage and trying to encourage a mass group of people, let's collectively believe these things about God and not only believe it, but let's like celebrate it. When everything about the foundation of what you believe is rocky, you know, getting up there and doing that, I mean, it never felt more um, wrong, I guess. It just felt like you, you cannot feel these things. You just cannot feel doubt and you cannot feel depression and things like that. I didn't know how to react or like what to say. I would come up like the awkward father and I would ask the question everybody asks, how you doing? But mine was loaded. It became very like insecure of my own like spiritual walk because I was like, okay, am I saying something that's gonna make him doubt even more? Am I, I just, I wanted to say something to like encourage him. I was profoundly sad and felt totally stripped of any ability to help. There wasn't a sermon I could preach him and there wasn't a, a lecture I could give him. I mean, there wasn't anything he hadn't heard. There were a lot of lows and not, not a lot of moments of like, okay, like the end is in sight. I didn't feel that. The song was like a product of one specific moment. I had kind of been going through this for like almost a year, and um, I had multiple moments where I was just like, I'd come to God in desperation, where I was just like, I cannot do this. I just can't, I cannot function like this. But there was a moment where, you know, a desperation moment where I just, I was, I was sitting outside and I flop open my Bible and just ask, like, God, I just, anything, like anything that will be louder than what's going on inside my head right now, anything. Like, I need some kind of relief, some kind of rest from this. And, and so I just opened up, I just opened up randomly to 1 John. And I was scanning down the pages, and uh, the word reassure caught my eye. And this was the passage that, you know, just shook me. Um, it said, by this we know 
that we are of the truth and it will reassure our heart before God. That even when our own hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And immediately, just a mess. I'm just a mess because I'm like, my heart, my heart, I feel like my heart is condemning me. And it, it wrecked me because it was just like, and the, the, the very immediate word after that is, and he knows everything. Like even when your heart condemns you, he's greater than your heart and he is completely aware of who you are. He knows exactly who you are. And so I'm, I'm reading down this passage and I'm getting further and further down. The sentence after is like, and we have confidence before God and, and we can come to him knowing that he'll give us what we ask for because we do what he commands. Um, and we do what pleases him. And I'm all of a sudden wrecked all over again. I'm just like, well, that doesn't apply to me. And, you know, totally threw me for another loop of like all those doubts of like, you know, trying to make sense of my faith in my own head. And the line afterwards said, and this is what he commands, to trust in the name of Jesus. I'm wrecked all over again, you know. I, the one thing that he commands of me he places that in me. The scriptures talk about he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And I, I think of the word perfecter and I think, I think sanctify. I don't ever think about the fact that author means creator of my faith. He's the one who wrote it into existence and then sustains it. He's the one who, who keeps it, who holds it. Like, who, who do you think has you? Like, you know, like it was, it was one whisper from God just silenced a year of like lies, just shouts from the, from the adversary. And it was just, it was gone in a moment. Immediately after, I'm just like, I'm like, I don't even care what, what comes of this, but I, I need to do something with this. I was just so floored, so like elated with the fact that like, I had felt the first bit of rest that I had for like a year. And I go and sit down and just start writing this song and I start writing, I start writing what was wrecking me. I start, the first lyric that I came up with was like, when my own heart condemns me, you're greater than my heart. I was like, I just need to sing that. I don't even know, I, I don't even know where I'm gonna place it. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. But I'm just like, you know, line after line. It was, it, and what proceeded was, was a day and a half of just like, every line individually was, it felt like, it felt like God was sending me another promise, another promise here, another promise here. And it was just boom, 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 one after the other of just like a day and a half of just God absolutely undoing every thought that I had had for the past year, one by one. It was one of the only times where it felt like nothing, nothing about these words came from me at all. You know, every single line was, was just another, another thing that, that God was reassuring my heart with. Jed came home and told me that this whole, this whole chapter that he had read, and he was like, and then it said, but if your heart condemns you, and this is what God's doing. And when I heard the song, I was like, okay, there is hope. God is totally working in him because you can't write something like this if you don't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. When he, when he told me about a song that, that, that he was writing, I, I could see it in his face that there was some joy in the song, one, and then some deep emotion. And so uh, I said, would you, would you play the song for me? Now remember, in my mind, 
I'm carrying the entire narrative of where he's been and how he's felt and how hard it's been for him. And he starts singing this song, Stronghold, and uh, I'm, in, I'm in one verse and I'm crying. So when I told Jed I wanted him to do this, um, he looked at me like, uh, what? That was on the week that Tyler talked about depression and anxiety. And it basically led up to somewhat of a, a stopping point that said, these things are real, they're intense, and they're common. Tyler kind of thought, man, this would be, <clears throat> this would be great to, like, to bring out into the open because I feel like there are so many more people that are dealing with with these silent killers, I guess, of just like I'm, you know, I'm dealing with doubt and depression, and those are the the few things that you just don't bring into conversation. And the the passage was um, by this we know that we're of the truth, and it'll reassure our hearts before God that even when our own hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And for me, I was like, I just. My heart was condemning me, and I needed, I needed to hear the fact that it was just like, who is there to condemn you? Like, you can't even condemn you, you know? I can't condemn myself, you know? And then he sang the song, and uh, Tyler gave permission for people to either stand or sit or worship, whatever they want to do. And... I haven't heard my own goodness. I could feel it in the moment because I saw it in people's faces. There was a moment kind of in the middle when people actually caught up to what was going on that it, that it became their song. And they were standing. They weren't singing. Jed was singing their song. And they were raising their hands and leaning into the promise. I mean, the ripple of God, what he does, is hard to even fathom. Whether he allows Satan to sift a young man for a year so that what comes out of him is faith for him and a song for us. I have nothing, I have nothing at all. I know this. But at that moment, I thought, God, you're too good to us. Because all these people who are standing with no voice are like my son, Jed. Somebody loves him. Somebody knows him. Somebody's been praying for him. The burden's been hard. It's been heavy. It's been longer than a year. And, uh, and they're hearing a song that speaks like concrete to their soul. I really want my daughter to know this. I want her to know what this is like. I want her to know that satisfaction is, is only found here. So when I'm looking at her and I see this face that, that I hadn't seen when I was praying these prayers of God, I need to depend on you or whatever. And I see her effortlessly depend on me and believe that I'm going to provide for her and I'm going to do what's best for her. There was this terrible season that Jed went through. And it's like, but God did so much good. 
literally just stripping away control that the adversary has had over so many people for so long by just somebody saying like, hey, I struggle with this too, and it's really hard and it's really dark, but like, God can heal you from this. This isn't the end of your story. This isn't like the pinnacle moment. There is more. I belong to him and, and he will not, he will not let his children go. He will do everything necessary to not just bring them back out of sin or out of turmoil like that, but also into a reassurance of like your belonging in him. Uh, I had a man, 75 to 78, something like that, write me that very Sunday and said, everything he said has been my last 40 years. This song has now become mine. And he goes, I will listen to this song every day. Amen. Um, so hear me again, like, it's a heavy story. And uh, I haven't made it, I mean, I've watched that video. I, I legitimately, it's like Verity's been hearing it like on repeat just because in, in preparation and wanting to just be immersed in, in, in my friend Jed's story. I've watched the thing probably 25 times. I can't make it through without just welling up in tears because what that is is the work of our living God that loves us so much more than we could ever fathom. Um, and that's why today there's hope for us. That's why there's a possibility for joy, is because he's alive. Now, um, I love Jed. I've known Jed, and so it's easy for me to watch that story. I get emotional because I know that dude. And like we used to work together down at Redemption Gilbert. He used to kind of be on our worship team and stuff like that. There was this moment with Jed where we literally, <laughs> Jed was turning 19 years old, which is plenty older, but we laid hands on him in front of the whole church and prayed for his changing body. And, uh, and our drummer was in the back like, yes, Lord, amen, you know, just super weird. But So I love him. So it's easy for me to connect with that story. And immediately I, I feel joyous to hear what God has done there. Some of you have that same story. Some of you are feeling that same joy, that same kind of uplifting, like this, this is amazing. We get to watch and see the work of God, right? Because he's alive, because he's alive to do these things, right? Um, but some of you, uh, like you hear that story and, and it's the opposite. Like some of you will watch that and you'll say, that's awesome for him. But like, where's my resurrection story? Like, like, I'm still living in Saturday. Like, is it, do I have to wait for a year? Is it once it gets to a year that I'm getting? But, but no, there's this man walking 40 years. Like, I, this is the whole, how do we walk in this space where, again, our hearts, it feels like Saturday, but Sunday happened. And what does that all look like? And how do we manage that in the midst of this? How do we have hope and joy in the midst of all of this confusion? And you watch that and you say, like, I, great for him, but, like, where's mine? And, and I want to tell you, like, that is a valid question in the sense of your pain is real, your depression is real, your doubt is real, wherever you're at in that place. 
Or if you're like me and you just have close friends, you have close family, you have people in your life that battle these type of things and you're just wondering when's it going to come for them because I, I can't fix this thing. And I so desperately want to, like I so desperately want to be Jesus and just fix stuff, but I can't. And so maybe you're in that place. So wherever we're at today, this story is a story of hope. And here's why. Here's why this is a story of hope. Because I cannot from the pulpit guarantee any of us that this weekend your circumstances will change. But the joy of Easter, the celebration of the Sunday, is that Jesus is dead. And here's what I mean by that. Because Jesus died on a Friday, but we saw he rose on a Sunday, he is alive to love and care for us. Because if he stayed in the tomb, if he stayed in the grave, we're lost, friends. We don't have an advocate. We don't have an interceder. We don't have this perfect person that watches and cares and authors a life that is better than anything we could author ourselves. You guys, I don't know if you ever do this, but I often watch uh, movies, right? And I love a good movie. And then when you get to the end, you find out like a movie was based on a true story. And just for some reason, it just makes the movie that much better. You're just like, oh my gosh, that really happened? And I began to think about why is that. And I think it's this very simple truth that God writes better stories than we do. God writes better stories than we could ever create or fathom. And in the midst of it, when we're being sifted, like Tim said, in the, it doesn't feel real good sometimes. But if he loves us and he's alive and he's good and he's powerful, there is always hope. And there's always joy because he's risen, even when it feels like we haven't. The promise of resurrection that is to come where we will be all raised up with him in eternity, that is a joyous one that we look forward to. I don't know if we get a ton of that this side of heaven. God's always trying to instill hope and join us, but I'm going to tell you now, it's not because he's going to change your circumstances all the time. It's because he's always going to be alive and present, and risen, that we might know him. I want to read the text that Jed wrote, or that Jed uh, flopped his Bible open to. Maybe we've all had that flop the Bible open to moment, and I don't know if we've all experienced such a moving kind of presence of the Spirit in this, but um, if you guys want to turn, you can. The words will be on the screen, but I'm going to read through this text and just emphasize a few points We'll wrap it up, and then we're going to sing Stronghold together as a community and as a family. It says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Like Jed said, he knows everything about you. And our hearts tend to do this weird thing when difficulty and trial and doubt and depression sneak into our lives or around us. Our hearts seem to turn on us. And they do two things. Either one, I think our hearts, and they move towards these desires of things that would just draw us into deeper darkness. And all of a sudden, you find your affection being for things that pull you from hope and joy instead of deliver it to you. 
And then our hearts turn against us and they become our own condemners. And they begin to speak things over you that are just not true. Things of your value and your worth and your identity and what truth is. And it begins to muddy the waters. Your own heart, my own heart condemns me. And so I lose hope and joy. I think to myself, okay, all of these situations, it's hopeless. Nothing's ever going to get fixed. But that's a story that could be true if Sunday didn't happen. Keep going, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. He is our good, alive Lord. And here's your prayers. For those of you who sit here, and again, you're sitting in a place where it feels like Saturday, and you wonder, does he even listen? Not only does he listen, he gives everything necessary for life, love, hope, and joy. Because he's good, and he's loving, and he loves us. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he commanded us, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. This is key. And by this we know that he abides in us. How? By the spirit whom he's given us. In other words, it's all him. It's always him. How do we abide? He gives us his spirit. How do we get his spirit? By following a commandment that we can only follow because he gives us his spirit. Because he moves in us. Because he saves, because he transforms, and he can only do these things. How? Because he rose from the dead. There's hope and joy for all of us wherever we land, wherever we're at in life today. The resurrection gives hope and love and joy to us because we have a king who sits on the throne who loves you and loves me more than we love ourselves. So when you leave this place and you go and maybe you're doing Easter brunch and you're getting down some mimosas or, I mean, non-alcoholic mimosas, of course. Uh, so I just orange juice. Um, <laughs> when you're out there doing that, listen, we do that with a risen king. You, you enter into this world, you'll leave this place with a king who is alive. And that's what we celebrate today. And if he is who he says is, if he is good, if he is true, if he is faithful, and I think he proved that on Friday, if he's still that king, hope and joy are always at the doorstep. And he is always present with you. So I says, if you're here and you're a Christian and you've just been getting after it and you just have this in your life, people around you, don't lose hope, find joy today, be reinvigorated to go and serve and to bless and to be in the lives of those who are hurting and broken. If you're here and you're a Christian and, and some of Jed's story is your story or some part of that, like it just feels, where's God? Where's resurrection? Where's hope? Where's joy? Come and talk to us. You would have got like a, I think a card when you came in, fill it out and just give us your, we want to sit down with you. We want to seek healing through the resurrection, because he's alive and he loves you. And lastly, hear me. If you're here and you are visiting and you're not a Christian and you can get past some of the weird chants and stuff we do and all that kind of stuff, I cannot say it enough how much God longs to know you and longs to be in perfect relationship with you and longs to speak with you and longs to just have you in his family. He proved it on Friday 
and that he enabled it by his victory and new life granted to us through the resurrection today. If that's your story and you feel like you walked in here, not a Christian, but you feel like you're leaving as one, we want to know. So fill that on info card, come talk to us, whatever, drop that in the box, stop by the connect desk, do something like that. God writes better stories than we do, and I think today is just another day where he wants to write something profoundly beautiful in your story. I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing this song, and I invite you the same thing they did down in Gilbert. If you want to sit, just listen as a prayer. Just have it prayed and sung over you. If you want to stand and sing, if you want to sit and sing, if you want to pray together, that these words would be true for us because the chorus is, is true. That without Jesus as our stronghold, the risen king, we have nothing at all. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love. It surpasses all of it. It surpasses our understanding. But God, we pray your grace and mercy would fall upon us right now and that your presence would be here. That wherever we're at this morning, as we came, God, that you would leave us not unchanged. But God, that we would be different because your presence is with us. And when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, like Whitney said, God, just things happen. So Holy Spirit, would you be here? Would you save us? Would you reinvigorate our hearts and encourage us, God, that hope and joy are always present because you're always present. And you're always present because death could not hold you. Death could not keep you. The tomb could not keep you in. You are alive. You are king. You are victorious. And you're here with us now. So, Lord, we pray, gosh, that it wouldn't be anything about what we're doing that draws you here. Just because of your love that you would come in power. And you would change us and you make us more like our son or your son, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I have not my own goodness. No, I have no pure desire For you wrote into existence All the faith that you require I'm not leaning or supported I'm not helped up to stand But I'm carried by you, Jesus Carried in your saving hands How I need could be bold, but if I have not your stronghold, then I have nothing, I have nothing at all. My own heart condemns me, you are greater than my heart, when the fear is overwhelming. You are greater still by far And the swells of doubt are rising And my faith's a distant thought Just one whisper from you, Jesus 
overcome shouts from the dark. I have nothing. I 